you're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Therapy for Your Money. Today, I have a really special guest. Um, I am joined by Kelly Jewell who is on my accounting team at Green Oak Accounting. So Kelly has been such a valued part of the team uh, for over two years now. She is a team leader. She does a lot of our training internally as well. And she works with a lot of our clients. She's a specialist in Profit First, and she's really just a jewel of a person. Ha ha ha. So Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great. So today you and I were chatting about some of the growing pains that practice owners are experiencing right now and some of the tough decisions that they're having to make. So we're, we're recording this in March, 2021. Obviously everyone's got COVID fatigue at this point. Um, but most of our clients for the, the large majority, at least have seen just tremendous growth in the last year. Uh, there's certainly been some tough times, but a, a whole lot of growth. And with that comes a lot of challenges too, right? Right. There's so many challenges that, that are unexpected that practice owners just need help working through. And so that's why we're here. So things that are unexpected for sure. Yeah. So obviously we deal with the financial side of things, right? But sometimes uh, this, there's emotion in finance as well. So uh, one of the challenges that has come up often is cash flow, right? Cash, cash is king and cash can create a lot of issues. Um, and you had mentioned that you've had a number of of clients on your team trying to open up a new location in order to solve some financial problems. So tell us how that went. Right. So the thought I think behind it is that opening a new location will bring in all this new income and you'll just be fixing all of your cash flow issues, which really is not the case. There's a lot of expenses that go into opening a new location, especially the upfront costs, right? Furnishing and uh, building out new spaces and potentially legal if you're having a lawyer review your lease and things like that. But there's also ongoing expenses that people don't expect. It's not just rent. You've got utilities. You've got to probably hire an admin for that location. And just all of the minor things, they add up as well. So while opening a new location will increase your income, it also increases your expenses. And that doesn't really uh, positively affect your cash flow. Yeah. And I think often the amount of money needed for an expansion is underestimated um, as well as the, how long it's going to take to actually get that open, right? How long it's going to take for the build out. So there's a lot of cash that's leaving the practice up front, but then it's taking several months for money to start coming in. Right. Right. So those few months are really detrimental when you're already having cash flow issues to be paying out all of these expenses, but nobody can see clients in the space yet. So you're putting yourself in almost a worse position than when you were just at one location at full capacity. Yeah. So when does a, a second location or a third or fourth location make sense? Like how, when have you seen that be really successful? Yeah, so we monitor our client's capacity uh, monthly. And what I see be really successful is when you're at 70 to 80% capacity of your space. And that doesn't mean of your clinician schedules, right? So 
even if your schedules are full, you may have space still available where you could hire another clinician to fill those spots, uh, maybe evenings, maybe weekends, maybe some undesirable time frames. But once your space capacity, meaning your rooms are full 75 to 80% of the time, it's time to start thinking about moving to a new location and expanding. Doing it prematurely will just cause more stress. And when you're at that point at the 70 or 80% mark, does that usually mean that there's enough money in the business to do that, to expand? Yeah, typically all businesses are different, right? All practices are different depending on how diligent the owners are on profit and, and what they're spending on, but that's why we're here to help. And so typically if you're at that 80%, you're really bringing in enough income and your expenses should be in line. So we monitor all of the KPIs to make sure before we make that suggestion. But typically I would say yes. Around that mark. And so when you're saying 70 to 80% capacity, how do you calculate that? How many sessions are you looking at per day, per week? Tell us about that. Uh, so that varies per practice. We talk to the owners about how many days do you open? How many rooms do you have? How many clinicians do you have? And then we have formulas that we build around that saying, this practice is open five days a week. They are open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. They can see nine sessions per room in that time. That's how we calculate it. So it's very practice specific based on the size of your location, how often you're open, the number of rooms. That's how we calculate it. Got it. And right now, a lot of practices are still in telehealth, right? So we're looking Mm -hmm. less at space necessarily than um, clinician hours, but there will probably be a day really soon where people are going back into the office, whether that's just because they're ready for it or because um, there's any changes in insurance. But for right now, if someone is, it has a practice that's telehealth only, does the space even matter? It does matter. It doesn't matter for this very moment, but it does matter if in two months we have to go back and we're at 120% and we have nowhere to put people, right? So it's not something to trivialize right now, but it's definitely something to continue to monitor while, even while we're doing telehealth, because at some point somebody will either want to, or because of insurance have to go back. Yeah. Um, And you are one of the, the profit first experts on the team. So in a profit for setting, how would you work on that expansion? Yeah, so one thing I, you know, and I'm pretty close with all my clients and I, I get to know all of their plans and needs and expectations. And when they start thinking about, you know, maybe in a year or so, I'd like to open another location and expand. We right then and there talk about setting up what we call a future office savings account. And whether we're allocating 1% or we can do more to that account, it's just building up a little nest of savings for all of those expenses that can become very overwhelming when you start thinking about this. So they can pay for all of the furnishing from there. They can pay for the leasehold improvements from there, right? It's just like a little nest egg to sit on and keep adding to until that time comes. Got it. And I know uh, you typically will work with your clients to give them a budget per room for furnishings and decor, right? And it's based on the practice, but like, tell us some of your, some of your tips there. Yeah. So some of my tips, I um, am a big like saver and bargain hunter. So I always recommend go on Facebook marketplace, go look, go ask your friends if they have any furniture, right? So the goal to getting into a new space is filling it with clients. So don't get too focused on exactly how it looks and everything being perfect and pretty and expensive. That can come, you can slowly adjust the rooms and how they look right now. You just need the bare necessities in the rooms to get people in there. 
And we like Ikea, right? I love <laughs> Ikea. <laughs> we, yeah. see, we see a lot of Ikea charges on our clients, uh, on our clients' books. Okay. So also right now, most of our group practice owners are trying to hire. It's a really challenging hiring market. So what are some of the challenges that can come up there? Hiring so hard right now. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on. I know a lot of people need, need somebody there, um, for their mental health. So I think it's just, there's more of a demand for it. A lot, the competition is causing like so much um, competitiveness in offerings, right? So a clinician will come and interview with you and you offer them, let's say 55%. They're like, well, this practice is giving me 65%, right? So there's so much competition and practices are now going outside of their comfort zones to get these clinicians. And it's really, it's, it's not a win-win situation because you want the clinicians, but you also have to keep in mind, like what's profitable and beneficial to my practice. So really it's just the prices right now are really, really high. Yeah. And part of our job, right. As the accounting team for a practice is to, to make sure that they're in a good situation. We have to keep the profit in mind. If there's no profit, if you're hiring someone at a price point where there is no profit left for the practice, you might as well not hire someone, right? Right, exactly. Right. What, no, you're just point? giving yourself more work to do while not gaining from the profit. Yeah. How so how about part-time hiring part-timers versus full-timers? What's your opinion there? Yeah, I'm a big fan of full-time as much as you can, right? Even if you already have part-time, you can keep them, but start hiring full-time. It takes uh, much less management on the owner's end. If you have five part-time people, you're gonna be doing a lot more people managing than if you have two full-time people. Um, part-time also there's, there's hidden expenses with hiring. They may not be major, right? You need to have a phone line for them. You probably have a therapy notes account for them and your simple practice fee and maybe a Google suite fee, whatever. These are small amounts, but they really add up. So if you've got five people with each of those fees, it's gonna be a lot more expensive than having two full-time people with each of those fees. So not only is it more management, it can be a little bit more expensive to have part-time, but I've also noticed full-time clinicians are just much more invested in the practice. They want to be there and watch it grow and they're just a lot more committed. Yeah. And there's a, a mental load also to managing five people that you don't have when you're managing two people, right? Different personalities, right. different schedules, like all of those things. I think we sometimes can tri- trivialize that, but it is, it is important. Um, so in the same token, while we're talking about hiring though, we hear often from practice owners, I can't afford to hire a new clinician, which is kind of interesting, right? Because it's not always true. It's not always true, right? So when it comes to hiring a clinician, there are some initial expenses, but bringing on that clinician, the income they bring in greatly outweighs any of these trivial expenses. Things like we just spoke about where like any type of software fees you have to pay for them or any of these small fees, right? Like it, their income that they're bringing in will outweigh that. At the right, uh, at the right pay structure, right? <laughs> at the right pay structure, right? So that's something we talk about all the time. Everybody comes to us asking, how should I pay these people? What should I pay these people? And that's our job is to figure out what works and what's profitable. Yeah. And uh, in, in many, many cases, right. And this can depend based on the state in some states um, it's not allowed, but a lot of practices do pay when paid. And so when that's the case, bringing on a new clinician, if they're not seeing any clients um, until you get paid, you actually pay nothing to them. Right. So it takes a little while for them to build up their caseload and get 
um, and get full and get paid, but there's not a lot of expenses there. Often, and we probably see this in mostly in smaller, smaller practices where they make an offer to someone, then they start that credentialing process. And that can take 60 days, sometimes even more. And they'll ask you, Kelly, how can I, what, what should I pay them? What can I have them do during that 60 day period? So what's your recommendation there? I have a couple of recommendations there. My main recommendation is let's make it more of a transition process, right? Like if somebody's leaving a practice, tell them slowly get rid of the clients you have at that practice and we'll try and get you some private pay if we can, right? If that's not an option and if they're starting fresh, just put it in some type of contract that they are not going to actually start seeing clients and getting paid for that until they are paneled with the insurance companies because you can't just be coming up with all of this work to do that maybe really didn't need be paid to be done, right? That's just losing profit from the business. That's kind of my solution is if there can be a transition process and that would be the best way to do it. If there can't, then there needs to be a clear understanding that when you start seeing patients, you can start getting paid. Right. And so sometimes that means you might make an offer, but they don't start until a while later when they are paneled with insurance companies and ready, ready and able to see clients, right? Right. All right. How about flat? versus commission? What's this is your probably the number one question. <laughs> and I do these conversions very frequently for my clients, um, mainly new ones that come on. I've already convinced most of mine that are with me already. But basically, I'm a big fan of flat fee, right? There's there's a lot of benefits. Commission-based, right? Percentage-based can be easier to calculate sometimes. And I see that there is a draw to that. However, if you think about it, if you're on insurance or if you're raising your private pay rates, then that clinician automatically gets a raise whenever that percentage raises, right? So there's no future potential profit to be had. If you're on a flat fee and you're paying your clinician 50%, right? So it would be $50 if you bring in $100. And then you raise your fees to $105 per session. And that clinician is still getting $50. Then you've got $5 more profit, right? So it, it gives way for that. But that's not to say like, the clinician's never getting a raise again, right? Like then it becomes a more meaningful performance-based raise or bonus system. That's definitely more of an incentive for the clinician too. So if they're not just relying on rates being increased to get more money, they have to actually put in the effort and show it in their performance. Yeah. And in one of the push, some of the pushback that we often get on that is, well, I want my clinicians to be paid well, and I want them to be valued. And we we completely agree with that, right? We want everyone to feel good about uh, working in a practice um, and we want clinicians to feel valued. But as the accounting team, our goal is for the practice to be profitable always because without, pro- without profit, you might as well just go shut the doors and go home and go work for someone else, right? We've ju- And we've just seen too many practices that we're struggling or losing money to be okay with that. So while we want everyone on the team to make a good wage, we want to make sure that the practice is sustainable and can stay open for as long as the owner wants it to be open. Yeah. And so that's another thing, right? It's like a hard conversation to have with your clinicians. Like it's confusing to them. They don't really understand the meaning behind it. There is a potential to lose one or two, but our goal when we do these, what we call conversions from from percentage-based to flat rate is to make it equal to what the clinician is making at that time. And so it's really more for a future profit, right? When you decide to increase your rates or when the insurance panels decide to increase their rates. Uh, so we're not really taking away from the clinician at the time, uh, but it, it reads room for more profit in the future. 
future. Yeah. And Kelly, you and I know have worked on a handful of conversions in the years, uh, over the years where there was a reduction necessary as a measure to just keep the practice alive, right? Where uh, a new client would come in and we've seen splits up, I think the highest is around 75 or 80% that we've seen where there literally was like a negative, negative profit for every single session that the clinician was seeing. And those are some really tough conversations that is not fun for anyone, but it just has to be done or else the practice will have to close. Right. Like usually it comes to that point where we can't go on any longer because we're out of loans to take out there. There are no more personal savings to fund the practice. So something's got to give any feedback. Do you have any feedback for people going through that? Yeah. So that's such a hard position to be in because you want to offer the best to your employees and do the best you can for them. And that is a scenario where I have seen some clinicians leave, but you can always rehire at a better rate. And this is just kind of like a, a revamping of your whole practice in order to get you on track for, for profit. Um, one thing I tell my clinicians is when I'm doing the conversions is please make me the bad guy. Like you can <laughs> all you want. Uh, I don't, I don't have to hear from them. So go ahead and blame me. Um, and it's just a hard, a hard thing to have, but it's necessary if you want your practice to be successful. It's a tough thing to do, but keeping the practice open and uh, keeping your team employed, like that's important too. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, Kelly, what is your favorite business book and why? Profit first, of course, my favorite business. <laughs> I obviously I'm a profit first expert. I, I do a lot of that here at Green Oak Accounting, uh, but it's such a great process. I've done it for, I would say 20 to 30 clients at least. And I've never had one client come to me and say, you know, I wish I didn't do that. I really, I didn't like that. Right. So I've only had success stories with it. It can be a little bit tough in the beginning if you really have really low cash flow. But that's why we're here is to get you through it um, and just stick to the process. Yeah, you've had you've had a lot of profit first success stories, but that's an interesting perspective that no one has ever regretted doing it because it feels right. like some, sometimes you're taking clients along, kicking and screaming, even though they wanted yeah, to initiate that. Yeah, it, there comes a point where there's some resistance in the process too. There's right? some resistance, and I work with them. You know, maybe instead of doing biweekly, we do weekly just because the cash flow is so tight. Um, you know, just to get them through that. And I just hold their hand. And then six months later, they're like, this was the best thing I did. Maybe it's not the funnest thing at first, but it will, it will change how your practice operates and how you think about the money that you have. Yeah. And it's always awesome to see like those numbers grow in the tax and the profit account, especially this time of year when there's plenty of money in that tax account. That's always Mm -hmm. really, really exciting. Yep. And so I even, I had a profit first call yesterday and my client was like, I even have money left over in my tax account. What do I do with it? And I said, you save it for next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say, or quarterly estimated taxes. Yeah, That's really exactly. that, Yeah. Or take a little, take a little bit, have a little fun with it, but no, yeah. Kelly said, no, nope. save it for next season. <laughs> All right. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure uh, chatting with you today. Um, And so obviously you're a big part of the team at Green Oak Accounting. You are currently full, but some of your team members have space on their their, uh, roster. If you're interested in working with Kelly and her team, feel free to go to greenoakaccounting.com slash consultation and just chat with our team about what it might look like to, uh, to work with us. Have a great day, everyone. 
If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.